and making sense of it with me, Emma Kenny. And me, Peter Smith. The delectable Peter Smith. The delectable Emma Kenny. The delightful Emma Kenny. The delightful, the, the unbelievable, the wonderful. Distinguished. Distinguished, eh? Decadent. Decadent and... Dilapidated. De- desirable. Dilapidated. Dilapidated. I want to say dilapidated. <gasps> Do you know what? Uh, delicious. Mm. I think the world is turning on its axis. I am one of those people who understands fully that you cannot rely on anything. I know this. It's something that I preach to my clients. It's something I talk about on TV. Security is a myth. And people who believe that they are secure are absolutely in line for some pretty big shocks in life. So I understand this. And yet, even I am surprised about the amount of things that have gone wrong recently in my life. Like, I'm literally surprised by the fact that even though I preach this my entire life, I'm still very surprised because even on my scale of insecurity... Now, now you say that, but it, it's in, uh, quite a lot of this is, is down to other people. That's the whole point about yeah. security, you absolute buffoon. Fooling. You can't place your trust in um, other people yeah. in that way because they might let you down or people might let you down or systems might let you down or businesses might let you down. Something will happen. And then if you realise that you've built all of your world around the belief that that's secure, yeah. then you're screwed. And what I'm saying is I know that, I preach that, I live with that belief system. And yet, past few weeks... Been a bit of a surprise in spite of that. I know, we're going to battle through it though. We're going to battle through it. I'm not in a bad place. No, I know that. I'm in a good place mentally. I'm just saying that even when you are ready to predict that things can go wrong, and I see things happening. I don't know about anybody else listening to this. In fact, write some comments. Leave me some comments. And a lot of women listening to this, sorry to be gender specific, you'll get what I mean. We get it called the you know, the sixth sense kind of thing. You know, that second sense about something. Oh, you're, you're, you're really good at that. I do. I'm really good yeah. at it. So basically, since I was a kid, I am not psychic. Can I just put it out there? This is not some kind of thing where I'm now about to start doing some readings for people and I knew you were making say a bit that. of money on the side. But I've always had a sixth sense as a child, female intuition, should we call it. And I can see things happening before they happen. I just can see the intonations and the synchronizations and the way that people are around things or the way it feels. Just I'll wake up and I'll have that feeling. And yeah. it bloody well happens, you know, because I've predicted everything recently. Absolutely. I literally say it. And then I'm like, just stop saying things, Emma. Maybe it's you saying it that's causing all of this cataclysmic mess. Well, if it all goes wrong... We can go and do a season in Whitby every year and you can sit down near where the whelks are and the cockles and mussels. I'm on vegetarian. The uh, no, I'm not selling them, just where they are and uh, sit in one of those little fortune teller huts. Oh, that'd be great. I could do that. Yeah. I'd just do the Barnum effect. That's the way of making people believe that you're psychic when you're not psychic. Yeah. I've Basically seen. telling people the opposites in one sentence. Yeah, so you've, you've done that with... Um, Darren Brown. Darren Brown, yeah. That's yeah. right. If you want to see me on Darren Brown, Tricks of the Mind, you can look me up. I'm there being a fake psychic. And let me tell you, a lot of the people that I saw 
they thought I was a really good psychic, mm. just to say that. I've got, yeah, go and have a look, actually. It's pretty, pretty... I do cold reading in the Barnum Effect. That's yeah. what I do. So cold reading is where I just kind of sense something about the way that somebody is. Because, like, when you work in therapy quite a lot, you meet, very, very fortunately, hundreds and hundreds of people who you work with over a period of time. And so you start to have, not a stereotype, because I don't think you can ever have a stereotype for a human being, but you certainly start to get pen portraits in your head mm. about the type of person they are just the kind of way that they act the things that they say the way that the body moves you kind of have a not a stereotype but some kind of portrait some outline of what they might have potentially so I'll do that in cold reading but then the bottom effect is the one that everybody falls for because everyone wants to hear it classic example you sit with something you'll go I can tell that you're quite a charismatic person well who doesn't want to be charismatic for a start and you're one of those individuals that when you walk into a room, you know, you really care about the way that everybody feels in there. You really want to engage with people and show people in your best light. You're almost like a classic extrovert. But the truth is, you're a deeply introverted human at the same time. You're somebody who has a real depth and a real sense of self and quietness that people don't often see. You just tell them that they're both of them. Everybody fits into it, don't they? That's <laughs> clever. It's the way you do it, though. It's not clever. No, it's, it's the way like you tell them. how people do that. Like, I would literally watch people. Honestly, I don't even care who's listening to this who's a fan of Sally Morgan. I don't care, right? <laughs> I get it. She's massively wealthy. She's massively successful. And at the end of the day, she's made a packet and people believe in her. I watch her on stage and I literally want to scream at people. Are you believing this? You know, yeah. I'm, I'm sensing somebody. Um, oh, I'm, um, yeah, I can hear. Oh, it's a bee. Is it a bee? Anybody got somebody down with a bee? You know, like, well, probably about 38% of the room knows Barbara. somebody who died with a bee. Betty, honest. Yeah. And then she does the voices. Oh, I've got a little girl here. It's ridiculous. It's it drives almost, me insane. Almost Sarah Millican-esque. <laughs> I can't do Sarah Millican. Yes, you can. Just do my no, mother. No, I just try to be your mum. When I'm trying to be your mum, I sound like Sarah Millican. You know, there That's you it. But they also look, look alike, don't they, Sarah Millican and... Uh, your mum? No, no, the... Uh, Sally Morgan. Yeah. Don't they? No. Or I think of someone else. Oh, nah. Sarah Millican's way, way younger. All right. She seems like a nice lady, Sarah Millican. Yeah, she she's is. not an exploitative individual like said other. Yeah, who I'm sure is a nice person who believes her own stuff. But at the end of the day, who's the uh, um, who's the other one? Do you know what? Can I just put it who's out the... there? Right, the only time I'm ever going to believe a medium is a medium is if I walk into a room and they go, "All right, Emma, do you know what? Grandad Bloody Bolton sat next to me now. Do you remember that poem you used to do?" My mother told me that I never Don't should go with the gypsies down in the wood, etc., etc. Yeah. I'm not going to go to somewhere who <laughs> might have watched this, and if that's the case, all power to them. I want to know. Well, I'll be weird, won't it? If somebody all of a sudden you walk in and go, "Granddad's bald and sat next to me," yeah, yeah. went down a gypsy, going to wood. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, they wouldn't know past that second sentence. Yeah, I forgot him. that's what they'll say. They'll say but et cetera, the point et is this: unless they can do that, right? Mm. I want to know. Everything. I want him to tell me about my mum, my dad. I want them to tell me about the things that I learned from him when I was a little yeah, kid. Yeah, but it's too hard. I want hard him to, to tell me why he lied about killing Germans with a bayonet. Yeah, it's too hard to do that because sometimes the spirits are not talking to me. Do you know what I mean? It's, that's too convenient. Yeah, no. That's too convenient. So we're making, making talk to you. 
Tell them you'll give them some money. You're not a medium, mate. You're not a medium. <laughs> yeah, Unless they're giving you specific. Derek Agora is my favourite. Again. <laughs> what? <an> absolute. <laughs> hey. <laughs> That's what he does. Me mad. That's what he does. Hang on. I can feel them. They're coming. <laughs> yeah. Just ridiculous. And yeah. yet these people yeah. have made it on TV and have made it in their careers. I know. It's insane. They do prey on vulnerable people, I think. I mean, people have lost people and stuff. everybody wants to be told everything's going to be all right. Like everybody, you go to medium, <laughs> you'd have more respect for them, wouldn't you, if they walked in and they were like, oh my God. Yeah. Seriously. I've heard about you. Seriously. <laughs> I've heard about you yeah. and what you get up to and what you've done. That's right. Yeah. You want it. You want to stop yeah. it. Sat with Elvis. Don't He's... go out on Tuesday. Yeah. Don't go anywhere near four. Your granddad sat with Elvis. <laughs> why, do you know don't, you know, why don't these people like, if they're mediums and that, why don't they sort of get in touch with some I, Do you know why they're called people? mediums? Because it's just medium. Massively average. Yeah. Yeah. Just average. <laughs> average. People. I'm just really average at average, this. Average, yeah. I'm just having you a punt. It'd be like, I'm not just a medium. I'm a proper, I'm an exclusive, I'm top end because I speak to celebrities who are dead. You know, you know, like. Oh, there's Elvis. loads of those. Oh, you know. There's loads of, you don't see the ones that close their eyes and draw pictures. And the line is like, like a picture and it just looks like a scribble. And they're like, oh, there you go. Yeah. It's a picture of a Native American. Yeah. There you go. Native American. I went to Reiki because obviously I trained as a Reiki practitioner and a Reiki master yeah. back in the day. Does so that mean I you am, can like. I'm qualified. Like, like monkey. I can't do that. You fly in a cloud. I don't get a cloud. The cloud doesn't come. Anybody master. who hasn't seen monkey magic. Then Google it. Google it. There is a man with a headband who goes, Pigsy. like that. Um, anyway, what was I saying then? <laughs> what was I saying then? What were you saying then? You were talking about um, you're a Reiki master. Oh, well and, done. You were uh, active listening. I was testing I was, you then and you did really well. Was I? Anyway, is it because you're a medium? No, is it because I'm it? top end. because you've actually just heard it. Yeah. So I did this Reiki practitioner and during that one before I did my master, at the end of it, they give you your spirits. Oh, and what was yours? Shara. Shara the what? Just Shara. Just Shara. That was her name. Her name was revealed. Shara. Shara <laughs> is my spirit guide. <laughs> but what really annoyed me, I'm really quite a competitive person. I don't try to be competitive. It's not something that I seek to be. As you know, like in the media, loads of people get jobs over me. I'm just like, whatever. I just walk off a duck's back, yeah. But in the race against the mums... At primary school, when my kids were little, I was serious, you know what I mean? I, I wanted to win that, and I did win it. It's as simple as that. So I have a competitive side to my nature. And there was a guy training with us during this practitioner certificate, and he annoyed me all the way through. He was the only lad there. Oh, and the guy training us, you could tell absolutely just this guy he wanted this guy in there I think there was a little bit of uh, untoward behaviour potentially in the back of his mind about what he'd have liked to have done with this young man um, again my vindictive bitter side for why he got better than me but unlike the rest of us and there was nothing there was nothing that stood out about this guy I'm just going to say that yeah. personality nothing just that he was a man he had a penis at the end he got six he got six spirit guides. And I was sitting yeah. there and I wanted to argue. And actually, a bit of me that wanted to we have an shot, argument. Me, shot, me, Bendigo, Monacan and Hooper. No, I wanted, to, I wanted to argue about something that wasn't there. I literally wanted to have an argument. Like, going, why, why has he, he got why, six? Why did he get six? Why has he got six? Because he was his favourite. 
It was like, his favourite. Well, why did he get six? Wouldn't it be a conflict of interest there? What would they have a board meeting every time they need to like sort of figure oh, exactly. out? You know, like, I want to speak to my spirit guides. Yeah. Guides? Yeah, I've got six of them. Yeah. How the heck do you like speak to so them that without having a me. full discussion? Sit down around a table, cups of tea. Yeah. People bringing pieces of paper in and out and writing notes on. You know what I mean? Six. That's, that's you on. got six. And I got one. Oh, I'd have, I'd, have, I'd, have, I'd have been up in arms. I probably wanted to kick off. And do you know what it did? It soured my taste against Reiki. Yeah, but it I literally thought, you know what? This isn't real. Yeah, but he's more, more I do fool like him. Reiki, more by fool, the way. Yeah, more fool him because he's the one who has to feed, feed and water them like every day since then. And put them I in bet he didn't job. even remember the bloody names yeah, at the end the of the it. Who remembers six? No, I just remember mine, Shara. Neil, Mike, thought It sounded Ian, like shart. Yeah, sharting. You yeah. know. Anyway, me and Shara, we've never really connected. I don't know who she is. She certainly hasn't done me any favours lately. Yes, Shara. So, come on, Shara. Is you kicking you about? Where are you, Shara? Where are you? Oh, she's here. Come on in, Shara. Oh, hello. I know you're a dog. Do you know what I mean? So anyway, yeah. it's one more than you've got, so... It's not. You don't know. I've got. I've you got. You want to go and see him? He'd probably give you fifteen. I've, I've got. Yeah, probably. I've got my 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 um, spirit guy's called Hula Hoop. Let's make that up. But it'd be great if you had a spirit spirit guide called Hula Hoop. Would it be Hawaiian? <laughs> Could be. Could be. Couldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you haven't. I have. Somebody else has got six. That's all. He's the guy himself. Probably had about nine hundred and thirty-three. He probably like had a whole canteen full of them. Yeah, that's a bit weird. Anyway, all I'm saying is Shara hasn't been around in the last few weeks where everything has yeah. gone sideways. Do you know what, though? Again, I stick to this every time. I don't feel any different mentally. I feel fine. Well, that's good. It means that you're just numb of any stress. I'm not sure that I'm not in a coma somewhere and this is just all imagined. No, that's what I say about me. I sometimes think I'm in, a, in like some sort of weird vanilla sky thing going on. I've had a massive accident. I've gone to a place where I've said... a mad woman yeah. who's trying to kill you. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm, you know, in a alternate reality, which leads back to, you know, this is what life could be. You know what you need? Uh, my head seeing to... Sally Morgan. Sally Morgan. I do. I need a... I don't need a medium. I need a top ender. You know, I'm, I need a... You, you know, need Derek Morgan. Yeah. The amalgamation of two. So medium, you've got medium. What's like? What's underneath medium? What's above medium? Rare. Well done. <laughs> Isn't it? So we need a well done. Yeah. <gasps> You'd want one who is well I done. I want a well, well done. done. Yeah, well done. Bravo. My gosh. Deary me. I've been to a funeral today. I've been to a funeral today. We've been to a funeral today. Been to a funeral today. Been to a funeral of a guy called I like John to call, McGough. Yeah, John McGough. I didn't know John, so I'm not going to pretend that I do, but I feel like I know him because Pete has spoken fondly, very fondly of him for very many years, and I've also listened to a lot of his music, and you also have music that you've made with John. Absolutely. I just think it's, uh, I know it's like a, uh, you know, not not so much a morbid uh, discussion. It's not morbid, it's beautiful today. I I think Johnny McGough needs a mention on our podcast because John McGough was the, the, the songwriter and musician that basically helped James Arthur when James Arthur was literally not no, struggling a struggling guy, yeah. musician himself. He helped build the James Arthur band and he wrote songs for him and he gave him a place to sleep and he helped him out and helped launch his career. And obviously, you know, I know James Arthur with his... his Journey South. Journey, oh, he, he used to do his stuff for Journey South. He has this X Factor link, actually, John McGough. Uh, and it was his funeral today. 
but I think I'd like to. I'd like to. It was a celebration. More of a celebration of the. Yeah. F- yeah. I mean, always people always say that, but this was. It I couldn't mean, fit in the crematorium. It couldn't fit in the crematorium. And that was the private one, wasn't yeah. it? Where yes. we were meant, it was meant to be just and the then, people who were close, and that was we couldn't fit yeah. in. He just needs. He needs to mention this podcast because of his his uh, his ability to touch people's lives, and we all get them in our life. But uh, a, a man called John McGough, you can Google him and have a look. Uh, he plays a saxophone. He actually very good friends with Carl Cox, the DJ as well. Yeah, um, what was interesting about that service was one, it was full of his music, so he kind of was there even though he wasn't there. Yeah. And then there was a lot of conversations and talk during that service when his best friend was talking about the fact that in his life he hadn't had much. but he'd give anything away and that wealth to Johnny was just about living and breathing love and doing what he was passionate about which was music and the jokes about the fact that he'd be an A&E and it'd be there's a 51 year old guy who's just fell off his skateboard because he was still really youthful and everybody had a story about him in that way but then going down to Saltburn Seafront where everybody had gathered and there were just hundreds of people and it kind of got me thinking I turned around to a few people at the actual service and I just said I swear to God when I die there'll be like seven people there uh. it really makes you question because Johnny McGough obviously was somebody from an outsider looking in I have nothing to do with him yeah. obviously I know some of your friends and they were there but I have a very exterior experience with that particular <laughs> funeral yeah but what blew my mind was just the fact that everybody had the same story about him, yeah. which was just like, he was a really kind person. He just loved everything about life and That's he just he had did, a real yeah. life force and he was just really creative. Even when he broke his back and his neck when he was 21 in that accident, yeah. he didn't let it get him down. He just learned the saxophone yeah. and then became this incredibly talented musician. It's amazing. It is. But I just worry because I look at that and I think I'm such a kind of small life person. Mm. You know, it's strange because when people are listening to this, I think that lots of people who stumble across this podcast, you won't even have a clue what me or Pete does. You know, it won't be of any interest to you, nor should it really. But I work a lot of the time in the media, either on TV or I write for magazines. Um, I'm a columnist for Closer magazine. I also, you know, do quite a lot of work behind the scenes. And so to all intents and purposes, my social life should be thriving because of the industry that I work in. But the truth is, I just have such a quiet, small life, don't I? I just Mm, don't do any of those things that you'd imagine. I don't go out. I don't go out and meet people. It's only this year, we've talked about it previously, but it's only this year that I've really realized that I have so few friends. Like I wrote the other day about the fact that we often fail to notice the significance of friends until they're no longer with us in one way or another because you always take for granted the people that you've got in your life. And I was writing that and somebody wrote, yeah, it's strange that you forget that when you look back, there was always that last goodbye that you never knew was the last goodbye. Mm. You'd say, see you to someone and you'd never see them again. I know. Not through death, just through life moving on. And it's kind of his funeral was like, no, this is a guy who stayed connected and like has remained connected. And it just makes me go, oh my God, I mean, you need to work on your yeah. social I think skills one thing and I'm, social life. One thing I'm taking away from that celebration today is, uh, is, yeah, like to keep connected with the people that you know, even if it is just online, chat to them, keep connected, organize Yeah, because you know everybody, everybody was there, everybody knew you. Everyone was shaking your hand. Everyone was asking you how you were. Like, I swear, I've lived here my whole life and I know less people than that. It's just a close community up there, but it's because I haven't been there for a long time, but it's just, uh, yeah, you, you never, 
you know, everybody used to get on with everybody, you know, it was, you know, and I think no, Johnny, I think Johnny, John McGough, I think that with him passing has really, really sort of brought a lot of, I think just from his death, I think it's going to, if there's been any beef or any, anybody not getting on with anybody or anything like that, not just, I mean, up there, you know, I think it's, it's going to have brought a lot of people together, a lot yeah. more, a community of people who are there just to celebrate, you know, and put everything aside. And just but it just, it puts things in perspective. So like things that are going on in my life at the moment, there's a hell of a lot of, I suppose, conflict. I don't mean in relationships. I mean, just conflict with different elements and areas of life. And you kind of listen to somebody like John and what he's saying about the way he feels yeah. through his friends. I mean, how he visits you in that funeral service through his friends yeah. is saying you know, this is fleeting. This is a momentary experience. And they were saying that they felt like there was some kind of prelude of understanding to his position because in his songs, he writes a great deal about yeah. kind of moving mm. forward and going to heaven and his relationship with God, yes. his relationship with his wife. And yeah, it was really significant. And it kind of makes you go, right, have that perspective. You know, what I'm going through at this moment in time will not last forever. And it's remembering that. And there's another thing that I've been thinking about the last few nights because you sleep better than I sleep. Not that I don't sleep well, I sleep fine. But I definitely have a period at night before I go to bed, unless I've had a drink of alcohol, that will tend to subdue me and I don't necessarily think then, but obviously you can't do that every night or you'd be a functional alcoholic. But um, I will go to bed and I'll kind of contemplate this stuff. And I was thinking the other night because I'd been... The dog's walking around with a big piece of plastic, by the way, if anybody hears interference. Do you want to get it off him? Because otherwise he's just going to be sitting with it on his nose. I don't even know what that is, but it looks like it could suffocate him if he got it stuck there. He's been playing with it for days. So piece of plastic. I was sitting there the other night and I was thinking about vengeance. I was thinking of the subject of vengeance because obviously one of the things that I preach is peace and kindness and compassion yeah and genuinely that's the way i operate but because of somebody's actions recently i've been put in an incredibly challenging position through lies and through deceits yeah and probably through some criminal activities shall we say mm. and whilst i can't talk about that now and i'm sure i will talk about that in the future it's something i'm going to yes, be very absolutely. open about that person has placed me in some pretty difficult and challenging circumstances. And so there is a part of me in my head at night and I'll be like, I'm going to get in touch with the Daily Mail. I'm going to get in touch with the Sun. You know, these are people that I can call and I could have the story out yeah. tomorrow, the day after. And it would ruin this person. It would ruin them. And it's sitting there and manifesting that preach that I always do to others, which is... No good will come of vengeance. No good will come of it. Yeah, it won't. But knowing, and it's an interesting one, knowing that you have the power to absolutely destroy somebody, but not taking that Take, opportunity. Yeah, yeah. It's such a strange position to be in because part of me is just like, no. Because you it, it's because deserve it, it, this, yeah. but I just know that on a karma level, I just am not prepared yeah. to well, deal it's not with that, it. It's not in your nature to be that person, you know. I don't know whether it's not in my nature because I think that vengeance is part of everybody's nature. Like so, yeah, but it's I, the control that you've got to be able to control. That. It's more like if somebody hurt my children, then oh. I'd kill them. Yeah, and I have like no doubt. And death, I think any torture, mother, yeah, would never feel die. That way. Just be, you yeah. Know. But when it comes down to the corporate world and business. I kind of say, you know what, let the 
due diligence of the courts and HMRC and all the processes that exist, let them take care of that individual. But nonetheless, it's an interesting experience to be lay in bed thinking, I have that power. Mm. And that individual who's walking a very, very fine line right now is something that I could absolutely explode. But I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. But it challenges every little bit of you. And I was thinking like so many people must feel that, you know, and we've talked about it before, you know, like one of the things that you've got past is forgiveness. You've really kind of forgiven certain people in your life that you feel abused your trust. Mm. And likewise, they felt you abused their trust. And actually what solidified at the end of it was none of us really know what happened. We just know that it hurt more not having each other in our worlds than letting go of it is what, creates the freedom yeah it does it really does i think just um maybe i don't know if it is an age thing it's a bit more and you get a bit wiser and you realize you know as death creeps closer to you or mm. you, you see death all around you you know we don't know what happens next we don't know what happens next there's all sorts of theories and things we've ch- chatted about that on one hand it's exciting to know that there is something you know because if you believe there is something and it is going to be exciting you know but you've got this life yet left to live you know and there's no point in walking around with a lump in your stomach or in your heart or in your throat just of, of of what I can only call as like a ball of anger or a ball of stress. What's the point in that when everybody's, you know, obviously you get nasty people out there. Just don't, 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 don't be anywhere near them. Don't think about anything like that, you know, you know, but the people that you, you want to have in your life and you do know that there was memories there and, and stuff, you know. And make the good sure, exceeds yeah, the bad. Yeah, and the good That's exceeds the, the bad, yeah. Make and massively sure, exceeds make, the bad. Yeah, make sure that, you know, and as you get older, you know, there is no bad. It's, you no. know... I think that's the thing, though, isn't it? That that's... When you're younger, that conflict in resentment and bitterness is, like, really easy to hold because there's less in your life to kind of acknowledge than when you're older when you've got really big responsibilities and you're like, was I really worried about that? But I was reading that quote the other day and it just said that being bitter and angry is so useless that it's like wishing to kill the person that you are angry with, but taking the poisonous pill yourself. Yeah. And it's true. You know, your feelings inside have got no reference on their experience. The way you feel does not impact on their experience. They are fine without your feelings because they don't know them. So all of that hostility and bitterness and anger, it's within you. Mm. And that's the other thing. It's like, for me at the moment, I'm going through all of this other stuff that I will completely talk about in the future, but I can't talk about right now. And it's just keeping it to the side of my reality and just kind of going, you know what? Let it be. Just let it be. Let the way things play out, play out. It's the way it has to go. And just don't allow myself to personalize it and feel triggered in that way. Because it's really a challenge in life when people affect what you consider your status quo, because your status quo is also the safety of your children. So I think any mum and dad who's listening to this, you'll totally understand it. If somebody compromises your position, whatever that position is, whether it's your personal safety, whether it's emotional stability, whether it's economic being, whether it's where you live, they are challenging you because your kids rely on you. Therefore, everybody who challenges you is challenging your status quo and therefore affecting your kids. And that makes you want to react. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean that. Yeah, I mean that reaction over your kids' safety or your, you know, that's 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 built into you, yeah. isn't it? That you know, it's uh, that's not just something, you know, that's that's a prime or prime 
primordial yeah. sort of feeling, you yeah. know what I mean? Reaction. They're hardwired for yeah. it. Yeah. But I think when it comes to relationships with people, you know, you can sort of control that. Absolutely. Think, control them, you know. Absolutely. And um, yeah, like the controlling the sort of vindictiveness inside you. Definitely. It's definitely something which takes time, unless you're born an old soul and you've got that within you. you well, know? I think I have quite a really balanced, calm approach in life, but I think that doesn't mean that you don't have that. I think there's a mismatch of people understanding what a calm person mm. is. It's not that you don't feel all of those feelings. It's just that you don't use it with purpose to be destructive because it actually works mm. the opposite way. So you do have it there, but you just turn the volume down. Yeah. Well, it's that, that's that, that whole cartoon thing, isn't it? good and evil on your shoulder. Yeah, it is. It's the voices in your head, you know, and it's the sort of like, ooh, I could, yeah, like, mm, or like, well, but then the, the voice kill of them, reason. Kill yeah. them, kill them. No, the no, The voice of reason them. saying what, you know, and it's... It's, it's the people that um, let the one... Well, volumes, in solution-focused therapy, we believe in volumizing. So a lot of the work that I do with clients is not to concentrate on the problems, it's to explore the solutions. It's not to concentrate on what happens yeah. normally, it's to find the it's exceptions. The, yeah. And one of the things that we do is to find something positive and then use it to volumize. So we volumize that, make that louder. Yeah. And I think that that's probably why I find it more easy or a little bit more simple to deal with my feelings it's not that they don't occur it's not that I don't need to turn the volume down sometimes because sometimes I do sometimes mm. I need to turn the volume down because I'm setting people on fire with my eyes in my head you know what I mean I do it yeah. I just don't do it verbally yeah. I just like try to allow myself that feeling for a moment and then let it go I like do you it. know what I mean? I do, I do know what you mean. It's yeah. a funny one as well because people recently have been quoting a lot in the press about Love Island. So there's a program in the UK called Love Island and I've been asked to come on it on quite a lot. Everybody does when you work in psychology. It's a really popular show and I'm sure that if you're listening from the UK, you can't avoid but know about it because it's everywhere. But there's a girl in there all the time who goes around going, I'm loyal, I'm honest, I'm honest, I'm loyal. And it, as I've got older, that really annoys me. When somebody walks around going, I'm honest, and you're thinking, mate, isn't that just normal? Yeah. I'm honest. Like honest. it's a, something to give somebody, I'm honest. It's like, well, I actually am just assuming that you're honest because otherwise that would be weird. Or, I'm yeah. loyal. You know, that's the cat trying to get in the door, yeah. by the way. The We've got two Abyssinians and they're very clever. We have to lock the kitchen door because they can open the door with their paws. Yeah, they are very clever. It's like they've almost got keys. It is. Yeah. So yeah, honesty and loyalty, two traits that really annoy me. Yeah, there's anything you can take away from this podcast. Honesty and loyalty should just be something that humans Isn't are. It? Yeah. And that to never ever ever take your shoes off while doing a podcast because a chihuahua will just eat your feet all the way through it. He's already had my sandals. Has he? He's my been sandals bite, gone. Yeah, he's been biting my feet all the way through. If you've been seeing me shifting around and moving about, it's because I've got a hairy chihuahua trying to eat my toes. If like, you hear a thud in a minute, it'll be the dog being kicked up at the table. <laughs> no, it won't. That wouldn't happen. I because we started doing family vlogs. Oh, yes. To anybody who hasn't seen our attempts at first family vlog, we've started doing family vlogs. Um, we're not sure how these are going to carry on. We're not sure they are going to carry on because we don't actually know what we're doing. No. But nonetheless, we've done a family vlog. We're going to try and do another family vlog. Well, I've just been walking around with the camera. We've got the camera there and we just yeah. turn it on. We're fancying ourselves as cooking and everything. We're doing we're doing like vegetarian cooking snippets yeah, in there as well. I believe it's cheeseburgers this week. Vegetarian cheeseburgers. Vegetarian cheeseburgers, absolutely. But absolutely. But we're going everywhere, we've introduced the family and everything. But that's by the by. That's by the by. But should you want to, please do watch our video. It will be somewhere down there, probably. Anyway. <laughs> it will be, yeah. It will be just, it'll down, be just down there. It'll be down, down there. Down there, family vlogs. But I was looking up family vlogs and I came across Chris Ingham. 
and ah. Chris Ingham. And it got me thinking. Yeah. So the Ingham family, Go very, very successful, very, very popular, over a million subscribers, hailed by Zuella as like the great family. So obviously if Zuella endorses you, you're going to succeed, aren't you? Yeah. And yeah, discovered that he's apparently been texting or sexting 16-year-old yeah. girls. Now, they're 16, so whether I like it or not, that makes it legal. Yeah. So they've carried on vlogging, right? They've not addressed it. But more importantly, I am like, what is she doing? I don't know. What is she doing? Like, bear in mind, we can't say that it's illegal. He's not you know, a paedophile. I think it's very, very odd that he's texting 16-year-old girls as a grown man with children who are, you know, a teen, I think they've got a teenager, one of the shared kids is a teenager. But the point is that she's not addressed it and she's carrying on like it's normal. Yeah. Whatever's happened, he has definitely been calling 16-year-old girls yeah. and texting them. Because they have his number. I'm like, wow. Yeah. Wow. I, I mean, not just wow. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> well, I'm 43 years old. How old is he? I don't know the but fella. 40, 40, you know what going I mean? on 40. I don't know the fella, but I mean... He's not going the, the, People are saying that he's made it up, blah, 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 blah. From, from what I've seen... The defence that his fans yeah. are going like, oh, it's not yeah, your fault, blah, blah, blah. That's blindness. From what I've seen is that, it, you know, to doctor to doctor what's being said, they have his phone number. I know. You know what's so, he doing giving his phone number out to girls? Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's just not, you know... He's, Insane. Yeah, there's, not, there's something not right there. And as a 43-year-old man, yeah. you know, I have... I have a son who's 15 and a son who's 13. And it's like it's like their mates coming around and then you saying to their mates, I'm not, look, listen, right, I don't care whether they're 16, right? My personal point of view is, right, it's, it's your borderline, your borderline of being a, a, a child, child molester. molester. Yeah, you. I'm sorry, but I'm 16 you. years old, up to 20 years old, even 25-year-olds I've met have still got that, that immature sort of streak in them girls. But 16 is well the other day we were at he's not cafe. 16 or 17 years old mm. which is like, all right you know what i mean we were at a cafe the other day and it was freaked me out yeah well, we were at a cafe we were Barry. at this cafe we go there occasionally been having a bit of a mental week so we went in to get a cappuccino and we sat down and i tell you now there was a kid and she must have just left school doing a gcse she must have because one she was off and secondly she looked like an absolute child didn't she she looked, she like, looked younger than my niece who's just she looked left. like a 16 year she old she looked kid. 16 if that didn't yeah. she you know and she was sat with this guy who we assumed was her father and an older father actually yeah, he looked older than me and then she went and sat next to him and he started stroking a leg and it was clear that they were actually intimately involved and yeah. there was a part of me that wanted to just go mate mate that's not okay. That no. is not okay. On her part, it is. Girls and lads, they look at older people. Mm. They think they're attractive. Listen, on a maturity level, on a, on, exactly. a, on, a, on a brain input level, right? On a, they've just, they're at school. They've just left school. School, act the way, think about it, right? The way you act at school, you might have a body of a young woman, all right? But the brain is so far away from being a woman. It's and I'm just, sorry, but how the, how the fuck could you get off on that? That, to me, I and I don't care whether people listen who are fans about that. I'm sorry, but I have to make a point of saying... Are, are people who listen yeah, I just like have to, that. Well, you know what I mean. They're whether amazing, Whether we do, whether we do family vlogs or not, listeners. you know what I mean. I just want to say that it is bang out of order 
that he's even giving his phone number to these I know, fans. Exactly. Or they are, it freaks you know? us out, doesn't it? Mm. It freaks us out. And it was a really, really, it was an odd experience because like, we felt like we couldn't say anything. But at the same time, we felt bad when we left because we hadn't said anything. But, but they haven't tweeted for ever since it started. And, and the, but they've been vlogging. And I think that something, whether it's true or not, he or should whatever, be in it. Something, well, something, he should not be in those Something vlogs. should be said. Yeah, I agree. I they agree. should bring hit, hit it head on instead of all this because all No, these... no, no. But the, the thing is, they can't. Mm. Because that will put that in the public eye and there's a right to reply. They don't want her to have a right to reply or those other girls to have a right to reply. But I was thinking just about role models and exploitation of power. And I was thinking to myself, you know what? When you have a position of authority, be it a role yeah. model in the media or actually oh, Wein, police, Wein, or Weinstein, stuff like that. Absolutely. You know, yeah. The exploitation of that power, there should be laws about mm. that. There should be things where you can clearly see that an individual has been exploited because of somebody's position and been made to feel that they... For example, apparently they had to sign a £250,000 privacy contract that meant that they couldn't talk about it. And he was kind of threatening this girl saying, you've already been told that, you know, I can sue yeah. you for £250,000. And you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, wow. And these are people who have put themselves in the public eye. Yeah. And it kind of goes line in line with what you expect yeah. from people like that because they're going to put themselves in a position of power because then that gives them access so that they can abuse it. Well, you know what, what rings true with me with it is that, that you see... And like for a 16-year-old girl to doctor the way that this man was it's speaking. I know, yeah, that's what these fans are saying, it's aren't they? It's not been doctored. And you can and see that it's a grown thing. man talking to Blind a young girl. loyalty. Yeah, what no. is wrong? What is wrong with people's brains? Because if I get two brains in a scan, I'm going to tell you now, right, those who don't feel that they're clever and those who feel that they're super clever, actually, there won't be that much difference between the brains. Like, it's what you yeah. do with it. It's yeah. like you train it. But to have blind loyalty, it's offensive. You are actually, to be honest, you actually join the exploiter. Yeah. You are on You're their complicit in, camp. In, yeah. I mean, it's awful. you know, I don't understand what is. I mean, they did something with the, the Zoella as well. They were there at her house the other day. Well, she should did a vlog. absolutely. You know what I mean? Cut no, if she, if she, if she knows something that nobody else knows. You know, I'm sorry, but, and if they try that, oh, they're 16 years old anyway, it's still, I'm sorry, it's borderline. And as a family, because we don't claim ourselves to be sort of, we do, we're going to do family vlogs, you know what I mean? But we're, there's going to be things in those vlogs which aren't like, you know, all lardy dar and hairy and fairy and that, you know what I mean? All like sort of Disney, is it? You've got you know? to stop having shouting aids all yeah, the time. Yeah, we've got to stop having shouting aids all the time, which is, you know. It's a really hard work. The kid's yeah. embedded. But, you know, it's, it's like they've sold themselves as mm. being some form of like, you know, Kids, little kids to teenagers to, you know, like Disney. Well, they should just cut him out of it. Just she should do it without him. But mm. I was just thinking about the nature of family vlogging and like how important it is when you're acting in that way. Like we would never do the vlogs in the same way that we do these. This no. is our kind of chat. I always think the people listening to this, I kind of feel like I know them because a lot of them get in touch with us and it's just utterly lovely when they get yeah. in touch with us because I always feel like, But doing wow, a family, family-ish vlog. It's a different it's a, kind yeah, of thing. Like, yeah. don't get me wrong, there'll be loads of mishaps and anybody who's watching them, yes, I do need a new kitchen and I definitely need a new oven, but that's another story. Um, and one of the things that, like, I think we filmed the other night was us in the hot tub, wasn't it? Yeah. And I was just thinking about how amazing it is that even when we look at our boys at 15 and 13, they'll still sit in that hot tub and they'll play games with us, like yeah. the alphabet game. And I was just thinking yesterday that in a world where it's so pressured and young people have got so many different roles to think about and so many responsibilities, I was thinking, you know, what is it as a parent, the role that is most important for me, bar obviously providing them a safe place and food. And I realized that 
it's keeping them children. I was like sitting there last night when we were doing that for the second night running and we were just going through, you know, I went to the supermarket and bought an apple, a banana and one, let me tell you, we've got really good memories. Yeah. I'm the best at that game. Um, but <laughs> I am. I didn't need any clues yeah. you guys did. But yeah. anyway, the point is, it's keeping them young, isn't it? And that, that's why I think we feel so angry when we're hearing about adults who are exploiting children, who are engaging with kids a few months older than my eldest son mm. and coercing them into relationships they're neither ready for nor capable of enduring in a way that will make them safe, you know, actually it will do damage to them. And yet we're sitting in that hot tub as responsible, respectful, loving, compassionate parents and we're helping our children to remain young. You know, we're helping them to remain children as in mm. don't feel responsible for the world. Don't feel that you have to do everything that adults do yet. Be safe, yeah, be secure be as a child. Yeah. It's really mm. played also, on the it, mind. Yeah, it returns the favour as well because they keep us young. So <laughs> They do keep us young. Although every time I meet somebody now who I used to go to school with or whatever, I look at them and I'll be thinking, God, you look like you're getting on a bit. Well, I, and then I realise that they're looking at me yeah. thinking, bloody hell, you're getting well, on I, a bit. I, when we saw into the, 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 the funeral today and I saw like, I mean, must have seen... You know, up to 100 people. Lovely like, lot know, of people, yeah, though. You know, what a great group of people. Got, I mean, some of them have got kids there, like 20. I'm like, yeah. hang on. But you don't look like we, we're all, hang on, we're all the same era, we're all the same <laughs> age, and all of us are the same. We haven't changed in our persona, you know. And That picture will be amazing. Pete had this picture taken with a group of guys that he'd grown up with, really. And obviously, there'll have to be some kind of comparison somewhere where you were all like 25 years younger. But me and Pete didn't let ourselves down. We did go around and every baby that we were introduced to, we, we offered, offered to buy. We offered to buy it, yeah. We offered to buy them. Yeah. We do it with all seriousness. No one's taken us up on it yet, but somebody did say they'd rent their baby for £40 a day to us. <laughs> Pete what, said, we'll Rob. take six weeks. Yeah, Robbie Muller, if you're listening to this, if the offer still stands, <laughs> we'll come and rent your baby off you, yeah, for a few years, <laughs> if that's all right, Robbie. Just oh, whilst uh, they're cheap, because babies are quite cheap, yeah. and toddlers are quite cheap, you can make everything. When they get to, like, teenagers, yeah. send them back, because then they get quite expensive. Yeah. He's funny, um, a lad called Robbie. Oh, Robbie. can I just say, so, before it. you carry on, on. Uh, I want a disclaimer today. Yes, I am wearing exactly the same dress as last week when I did it, but I've been to a funeral, and I don't have any many dresses that I can wear to funerals that are bright. We yeah. were asked to go it was bright colours. Yeah, no black, no black wearing funeral. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it was good to see everybody, and, you know... Sunshine days, it, 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 the sun shined, and it was a day. <laughs> yeah, let's put a link to one of his songs. Oh, well, put, some, gorgeous well, I'll put songs. some links down to... A posthumous to, yeah, celebration. Some, some stuff with James Arthur as well, which is... Um, James Arthur has uh, obviously uh, put his condolences out there, and he's, he's been up and met and seen all the family and stuff. So it's, uh, yeah... I think I have to dedicate this podcast to him, actually. Yeah, dedicate this there. podcast to Johnny McGough. Yeah. The thing is, though, I don't know whether it's just us, or maybe you guys can comment beneath and let us know that whether your world's turned on its axis recently. I don't know whether it's just like a shift in time, a shift in place that everybody is feeling this. Because I spoke to my agent yeah. before. Shift in energy. When, when we were kind of talking to each other, he was saying, oh my God, this year. And it's like, like I said, I'm not negative at all. I'm completely positive about mm. my life and what I've got. Because the only things that matter 
matter to me, my family and the people who are around yeah. me that I love. And they're just exactly the same as ever and as strong as ever. But I do feel like this is a shared experience. I've spoken to a lot of people mm. recently. I don't mean in a moany way, just in a very practical, experiential way. Yeah. And they're all kind of saying the same stuff. Oh, look at today, some people today that I know, like Carl, uh, you know, Big Carl and... You know, some people have, they've changed, they've had to move away from a different country and have got, yeah. you know, there's, you know, deaths and maybe it's just, it's an energy shift maybe. for the next lot of energy to take its its journey. I Speaking don't know. of energy, I will tell you that the light is so bright in this room that I do know that if you're watching this, yeah. as opposed to listening to it, you will see that I look almost ethereal. Yeah. I am so brightened by this light that basically my face has dissolved into the wall behind I me. I was just thinking that as I look at the other monitor. Yeah. I was thinking the sunshine has come so on I'm, now. I just want to note that this is it. This is what I looked like 28 years ago when I was a child, you know, when my skin hadn't got a line on it. In fact, somebody wrote the other day about me um, and Kerry Danes, the woman that I work on a show with, who's a forensic psychologist, not Kerry Nixon, my very good friend yep. Kerry Nixon, Kerry Danes, and they were suggesting about us both having Botox as well. I was thinking, flipping heck, mate, right now my expressions are so heavy. If you think I've got Botox right now, you are going to a bad Botox specialist because I've literally got the biggest lines that you could see. But thanks, because presumably that means that I must be looking okay in that respect. <laughs> you do look okay. You look amazing. <laughs> you look brilliant. I don't look brilliant. You do. Yeah, I but the sunshine fine. has come out. Must have been because we were talking about Johnny. I know. Maybe it's Johnny Magos' special sunshine day. Yeah. But, you know, it is one of those things, isn't it? You kind of think when you die... What do you really want? You want legacy. You know, you want people to remember you with kindness. You want people to reflect on a life fully lived. Yeah. I remember reading a book many, many years ago. And just to say it's not a book for the faint hearted. I'll be completely honest. It's quite a upsetting book, but it is also very uplifting. It's called um, Hannah's Gift. And it's about a little girl who died of cancer when she was a child. But what's significantly beautiful about it is that her mother writes at the very beginning, Hannah, a life fully lived. Yeah. And basically what she was saying was people can have 95 years on this earth and they leave little legacy and they don't appreciate the joy of being, the joy of living. And for her, Hannah was somebody who took life by both in both hands and just took everything from each day and just like bled everything from life in such a way that was really, really poignant. And when you read that particular book, you kind of have that feeling synergetic with somebody like Johnny that even though they didn't have a great deal of wealth, yeah. their legacy lives on through every song, every piece of poetry, every individual whose life he touched, everybody's career that he helped, all the people who spent time with him surfing or skating or making music, just all of that compassion and kindness that was brought together today just was so significant. Yeah. And I think to be able to die and to leave that so that, Whenever you're thought of in this world, it's thought of with a smile. Yes. I mean, man, that is I mean, that, that, something that, that, incredible. The thing that was said today about there's two bank accounts in life, and there was one where there's all the money in the world when Johnny didn't have anything in that bank, and the other where it was all the love in the world and all the kindness in the world, and in that bank he was a billionaire. Yeah, whereas other people are bankrupt. And, yeah, and all these millionaires and billionaires, they've got all this money, all this wealth in that bank, and then the other... They have nothing. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, that was just poignant for, for, for sort of someone to say, really. You know, it was 
for Johnny, you know. I've been to too many people's funerals recently. Too many young people's funerals, you know. It's shocking, but it's life. We're all on borrowed time. We are on borrowed time. I think that's why when I'm talking about all the turmoil that's going on in my life at the moment and our lives at the moment, obviously it interjects with your life as well. You just can't let it impact on your acknowledgement of gratitude and I always say that to everybody you know that's the thing you know like every single day when I wake up I'm just incredibly grateful for what I have and like you said about Johnny that's certainly where my bank matters the bank of love and life and it's far better than any wealth you could give me yeah it's certainly given me food for thought that today it has and even though this means right now that we're not treating ourselves or going out for those coffees that we'd usually go for and stuff it's also a real reminder that you have to accept that you know what really counts is the love that you've got in your home and your heart and nothing else has any value really you can always make an instant coffee at home that's true amazing this well thanks for joining us again in what could be described as emma's cathartic session (laughs) exploring (laughs) her own feelings about her life and it all being about her yes while i just sit here and say yes and nod my head like someone who hasn't been able to wake up today much love see you next week keep the faith stay happy join us again lots of love bye (laughs) 